Welcome to the Legal Toolkit, bringing you the latest legal trends and business initiatives to help you manage your law firm. Here are your hosts, experienced lawyers, writers, and entrepreneurs, Heidi Alexander and Jared Correa. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome to another episode of the Legal Toolkit on Legal Talk Network. If you were looking for the new season of Castle, I have some bad news for you. If you're a returning listener, welcome back. If you're a first-time listener, hopefully you'll become a long-time listener. And if you're Wolverine, I want my sideburns back, man. As always, I'm your host, Jared Correa. And in addition to casting this pod, I am also the founder and CEO of Red Cave Law Firm Consulting, which offers subscription-based law practice management consulting and technology services for law firms. Check us out at redcavelegal.com, that's R-E-D-C-A-V-E-L-E-G-A-L.com to find out more. You can buy my book, Twitter in One Hour for Lawyers, from the American Bar Association on iTunes, at Amazon, and probably also at Ageless Pages in Sedona, Arizona. Here on the Legal Toolkit, we provide you each month with a new tool to add to your own legal toolkit so that your practices will become more and more like best practices. In this episode, we're going to talk about how lawyers can write less. Yes, I said less. But before I introduce today's guest, let's take a moment to thank our sponsors. First off, let's welcome a new sponsor to the show, Answer One. Answer One is a leading virtual receptionist and answering service provider for lawyers. You can find out more by giving them a call at 800-ANSWER-1 or visiting them online at www.answerone.com. That's www dot answer the number one dot com welcome to the legal toolkit team answer one scorpion delivers award-winning law firm website design and online marketing programs to get you more cases scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and grow their practices for more information visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast this podcast is also brought to you by amicus attorney developers of legal practice management software. Let Amicus help you run your practice so that you can focus on what you do best, practice law. Visit amicusattorney.com and get started today. Today, for your listening pleasure, we have Adam Kozloff, CEO of Virtuoso Content LLC. And you just heard his eight-month-old son whimper there, obviously an Amicus Attorney user. After graduating from Yale University with a degree in physics, of all things, Adam moved to Los Angeles to produce a screenwriting career. While enjoying the opportunity to work with industry greats like Mel Brooks on Spaceballs, the animated series, Adam supplemented his income by writing for the web. What began as a day job blossomed into a full-scale business creating blog posts, ebooks, and website copy. And Adam soon fell in love with working with his clients to help their firms achieve their full potential. Adam's eclectic career is bound by an unquenchable curiosity to see the world in new ways. And he wrote that. See, he's a really good writer. He enjoys singing, playing chess, and hiking. He lives in sunny California with his wife, three children, and even Milkshake the Cat. So welcome to the show, Adam and Milkshake and Adam's baby. Thank you. We're very happy to be here. Thanks, Jared. <laughs> we have a full house today. <laughs> yeah, my, my baby Rory is going uh, to potentially peep in a, a bunch of times. So hopefully he'll add something to the discussion. Kids love me. See, the, the baby is reacting to the sound of my voice. Well, <laughs> let's get started on the show here, and we're going to talk about writing efficiencies today. Yes. And 
between like substantive work and marketing copy, busy lawyers probably actually write more than professional authors, I think. Right. So tell me why that's a costly activity for lawyers. And if that's the case, why don't lawyers spend more time finding efficiencies in their writing tactics? Right. That's a, it's very challenging because it's one of those things, the efficiencies are sort of hiding in plain sight, but no one pays attention to them. And international finance did an analysis, and they found that the average attorney spends about 30% of their day writing. And, you know, assuming a billable hour is like $300, that's maybe $900 a day or about $200,000 a year in effort that you're doing writing. And so, yeah. you know, if you can find just 10% efficiency in that, you're going to save $20,000 a year of your time. The reason why people don't do that, I think, is because they don't make those calculations. We tend mm-hmm. to be really biased towards what we fear. So we're the latest and loudest. It's the same reason why people tend to be scared of shark attacks and terrorism when they don't really fear as much like kidney disease and car accidents, yeah. because those things are more mundane, but they're actually, if you look at the statistics, they're more costly. And so people, my message is we got to pay attention to these efficiencies. No, that's a good way to look at it. And I think we'll talk a little bit more further on down the line about how you actually track this stuff, which I think is valuable. Right. But you're right. When you talk about a lawyer's hourly rate, it's expensive. Doing anything that detracts from that is, is oftentimes a, a loss leader. But not anymore because you're going to teach lawyers how to write effectively. I hope so. So, oh, yeah, I, I have full confidence in you. So does Rory. Thank you. So why should lawyers define the standards and purpose then for every writing project they engage in before they start? Well, maybe not every writing project. I mean, if you're going to dash off an email to your secretary or whatever, then just go with it. But for bigger projects, like if you're going to write an ebook or like write some kind of article for the bar association or yeah. what have you, it's really useful to define in the beginning your criteria. Like, what does success mean to you? Why are you doing something? And what are your standards for doing it? And the reason you do that is it can save you a lot of time. So, you know, if you're writing, let's say, a, a colleague ask you to write something for your alumni magazine. Yeah. And then you're like, you, you could mindlessly go do it, or you could say, well, why am I doing this? I'm doing it because I, I want to stay in good graces with this person. Well, maybe you can find some other way to stay in good graces with him and like just not do the project. Hmm. So part of this, you think, is about saying no, but part of it is planning to do something and having a real purpose to doing it. So this seems like it would track back to a marketing plan that a law firm would have. Right, exactly. Like, you know, you feel like I want to do blogs, I want to have a web page, I want to have this and that. Going back and asking yourself the why question will allow you to figure out like how you can do it the fastest, cheapest, and best for that purpose. And in your experience with lawyers, do you think this has some play in substantive practice as well? Like writing briefs for court, or is this only valuable, do you think, for like marketing purposes? Oh, that's a great point. I think it's also great for more substantive stuff. I mean, I'm not an attorney, so I can't really speak to that piece. Yeah, that's fair. But I'm sure. I mean, it's like... If you know, and, and one, one way, I, one little hack I use to define my standards for writing projects or any projects is I imagine, and I got this from this guy, David Allen, who wrote this book called Getting Things Done, which is like a Bible of productivity. I've heard of that dude. Yeah, he's great. But, he, you know, this is one concept he said, which is like, you know, what you do is you imagine what you would tell someone if you had delegated a project to them. So, like, you can write my ebook as long as you dot, dot, dot. And then you kind of figure in, like, well, you know, what the criteria are. It has to be within this budget. It has to be done by such and such time. You know, and so if you ask yourself that question before you start any project, you'll then figure out your criteria. Except for basic email. Just email your secretary, everybody. 
It's cool. Exactly. Don't even don't don't overthink it. Yeah. <laughs> so that that begs the question, obviously, and we've kind of gotten into it at this point. But so, how would an attorney who hasn't done this before, let's say, go about defining standards and deriving a purpose for what they're writing about? You know, I would do it in a written form. You know, just go in a journal or in a Word document and just ask yourself, why am I doing X Y Z project? Like you're committed to doing some writing project, or it's been thrown on you. Just write down like, why am I doing this? What's the point? And then you want to ask yourself, well, you know, these are my standards, and you can use that exercise I just gave you. And the other way to do it, another really good thing to ask yourself in a journal is, you know, from the beyond the date of completion, like this, when this is done, what does success look like looking backwards? Hmm. Like, in other words, had this yeah. been a great success, what does that mean? That makes sense. And then do you tell your attorney clients, or do this yourself, I'm sure, write something and then figure out ways to repurpose it. You think that's valuable, I would assume as well, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. And that's a consideration in your purpose. That's part of the purpose, I would think, right? Figuring out how you might use this in other places. Right. I mean, that's a great thing. You know, thinking about like massive success for a writing project, you might say, well, I'd love to be able to repurpose this as like a video and a podcast and a, you know, some article in a journal, you know? So that was, if you can think about your long-term plan, that's helpful. All right. So, Let's turn a little bit beyond strategy and start talking some about efficiencies right, to right. save time and what attorneys are writing. So when I was a kid, I loved the book Cheaper by the Dozen, and I'm sure a lot of people have read that, but it was a cool story because the dad was an efficiency expert. He told his kids, for example, that it was better to fasten buttons up from the shirt than down, which people traditionally do. And I think that's really interesting on a number of levels because it underscores how much of a mindset change is when you're talking about adding efficiencies, mm -hmm. because people generally tend to start by doing things they're less comfortable with. Right. So with respect to writing, are there like three core strategies you can point to that attorneys can use about how to become more efficient writers? Yes. Actually, I had five, but I can boil it down to three if you want. Oh, five. I can well, hit me, hit me them, with yeah. five. Hit me with okay, five. So I, I kind of wrote these out, but so the, one of them I love to use is something called Parkinson's Law. And this is basically the idea that work expands to consume the amount of time allotted for it. And so the idea is like, you know, we all do this like when you, you write a term paper, right? Mm -hmm. You uh, wait until the night before and then you do it on 10 cups of coffee and you feel terrible the next day, but you've gotten it done <laughs> in a very short amount of time. Yep. So the idea is you want to figure out what's the least amount of time you can do something and make it do well. So, yeah. you know, my process is like you know, pick a writing project that you do recurring, like write a law review article every month. Step two is you estimate how long the project will take, like maybe four hours. Step three, record the actual amount of time it takes. So maybe it turns out to be six. And then step four is the next time you do the same project, you try to beat your score by 10%. So like, oh, you know, instead like of six that. hours, whatever it is, like five hours and something minutes. Mm -hmm. And then you just keep doing that until you plateau. So Parkinson's Law is really good for things that you have to do on a repeated basis. That's cool. That's a good point. Thank you. And strategy two is... Fall in love with bad first drafts. This is a, uh, a William Faulkner quote that I love, which is, uh, the work never matches the dream of perfection the artist has to start with. So I love bad first drafts because it really kind of forces you out of, out of a writer's block, which is a, a big time killer. And so the idea is, you know, pick a short writing assignment. You can finish in 30 minutes or less. Grind out a first draft. Don't stop. Don't edit. No delete key. And then you take a break. 30-minute break. Do something fun, relaxing, feed your baby. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. Um, right? And then, and then you return to the document and then you edit it. And the key here to bad first drafts is intensity. You know, you're, you're not just grinding for the sake of grinding. You're trying to break 
this into phases. You're trying to do an intense, mm-hmm. relaxed, intense, like, um, what's his name? The, the, the Pixies, right? Loud, soft, loud. Oh, yeah. It's like you want to do really intense first draft, really, you know, foot off the gas, and really intense editing. So that's the second strategy. Yep. So, okay, the next one is digital budgeting, which is, I'm going to throw another quote here from Warren Buffett, of course, because you always sound smart when you're quoting Warren Buffett, but he says, yes. the difference between successful people and really successful people is really successful people say no to almost everything. So the idea is you make a list of all of your writing projects that you have, you know, court documents, emailing your sister, whatever. You put it all on paper. Then you go through and you sort them into three bins. One is to do as soon as possible against all else. Mm-hmm. The second is to do someday maybe, burden, but not for a month. And then the third is to trash. And then mm-hmm. step three is you move all of those projects into one of the bins. You trash as much as you can. You push as many of the remaining projects into someday maybe. And then every week, and then you just go do the rest of the projects. And this every week you, you, you review your project list and you want to basically, you know, get clear. Like, am I doing this or not? Yeah. Yep. That's good. All right, three for three. I like it. Three for, Let's you keep like going. Okay, the next one is. Uh, yeah, we'll pretty, do the next pretty, two. Okay, uh, steal ethically, and this is a T.S. Eliot. He said, uh, "Good writers copy, great writers steal." And so, you know, obviously, you do not want to plagiarize, but there are ways like you can steal from yourself. Like, have you written something before on a topic? Like, why not recycle it? This mm-hmm. is what you're getting back before about repurposing. So you can kind of steal yeah, from yourself exactly. and say, "I'm going to, you know, take this blog post and turn it into an ebook." Or I'm going to do this, like some interview I did, and get it transcribed and use it on my blog. So yep. stealing is useful as long as you don't obviously take from other people. Um, and then the last one is play to your strengths and work around your weaknesses. Mm-hmm. And and this is a good you know, another good idea. I think um, attorneys tend to be very perfectionist and hold themselves to high standards, and that's very good. But it's also really important to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. And so yeah. like if you can't spell that's okay. You know, don't try and get better at spelling. Just find a way to work around it. You know, if you're not really good <laughs> yeah. at finishing briefs or articles, well, that's great. Like, find someone in your office who can do it for you, an associate. So, you know, part of it is kind of self-knowledge, know thyself. If you know what you're good at doing when it comes to writing, just like as if you know what you're good at doing when it comes to the law, you can find more efficiencies because you're going to be faster at the stuff you're good at, and you're also going to kind of kick off the stuff that you don't like doing that you're bad at. So those are my five tips. That's good. I like that. Five for five. That's really good. And I think that's sort of a logical point for us to conclude the first half of the show. However, we're so efficient. We'll be back in a few short moments with more from (laughs) Adam Kozlov of Virtuoso Content, who's going to hang with Rory for a little bit. But before you go grab like a pound of turkey to eat, I want to tell you a little bit more about our sponsors. Is your firm experiencing missed calls, empty voicemail boxes, and potential clients you'll never hear from again? Enter AnswerOne Virtual Receptionists. They're more than just an answering service. AnswerOne's available 24-7. They can even schedule appointments, respond to emails, integrate with Clio, and much more. AnswerOne helps make sure your clients have the experience they deserve. Give them a call at 800-ANSWER-ONE or visit them at answerone.com forward slash podcast for a very special offer. These days, law firms need to do more with less. Making this happen requires efficient, cost-effective tools that work the way that you do. Available as a desktop or cloud solution, Amicus Attorney Practice Management Software improves the organization of your firm and drives your bottom line. Visit amicusattorney.com to discover how you can join the thousands of lawyers who rely on Amicus every day to run their practices. Not getting enough cases from the internet or the kind of cases you want? Scorpion can help. 
Over the last 15 years, Scorpion has helped thousands of law firms just like yours to attract new cases and grow their practices. During this time, Scorpion has won over 100 awards for its law firm website design and online marketing success. Join the thousands of law firms that partner with Scorpion and start getting more cases today. For more information, visit scorpionlegal.com forward slash podcast. Thanks for rejoining us. Now that you've washed down your turkey with some Cheetos, go wipe off your fingers because we're continuing with our deep dive into writing efficiency tactics with Adam Kozlov of Virtuoso Content. I should mention, Adam, that you told me earlier today that you had a pound of turkey for breakfast, which I think is just staggering, but it's part of the no-carbs lifestyle. Um, that's right. Yeah, my wife says that's if she's you know, she can't she can't bear it. She's like I can't I can't abide by the breakfast you make. But you know what? I'm Does healthy. Does she actually so. watch you eat it? No, she refuses. She's like she's like, Hey, get that out of here. I would like lock myself in a closet. Um, yeah. no offense. Um so <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to this here. So I think lawyers often have a hard time admitting they need help because yeah. it's their job to kind of help everybody. Right, so right. let's talk a little bit about outsourcing. So what writing needs can or should law firms be thinking about outsourcing? This is a you know, tricky subject because I am an outsourcer, so I do outsourcing for attorneys. They, <laughs> they give me their content yeah. to do. So it's like, I feel like it's like, well, the best solution is to just give it to me. But really, like, you know, I think outsourcing and also insourcing where you do it in-house are kind of, you know, part yep. of the same coin. And, you know, one of the things is that writing is terrible. I say this as a professional writer. There's a, a great <laughs> quote. Um, <laughs> it's terrible. It's just, I, I've got to read this quote from Bennett Cerf. Coleridge was a drug addict. Poe was an alcoholic. Marlowe was killed by a man whom he was treacherously trying to stab. Pope took money to keep a woman's name out of a satire, then wrote a piece so that she could be, still be recognized anyhow. Chatterton killed himself. Byron was accused of incest. So do you still want to be a writer? And if so, why? <laughs> you know? Yeah, um, that is some depressing stuff right there. It's some depressing stuff because, you know, writing is, is grueling. And so the idea is, as an attorney, you know, or any business owner, you make money when you market and you build your firm and you recruit. And kind of time, time you spend writing is, is, in a sense, time taken away from those more lucrative activities. So to the extent mm -hmm. that you can, you know, throw them off on people on your team, your associates, your secretary, or people like me, or you know, that you hire from out, outside is good. My suggestions for doing this is like you, um, is I have, I have this few-step process. First, you want to select an ongoing writing project, simple, uh, repetitive, and annoying. Like start with this, you know. So maybe it's like <laughs> writing emails to clients, alerting them about their past due bills. Yeah. Like you don't want to oh, do yeah. that, but it keeps happening. Yeah. You know. So the step two is you map out how you're currently working. You know, you want to systematize. So step by step, you know. How do you write the emails? What language do you use? You know, get into the details. Step three is you hand off the project with that map. And then, you know, you start with something inconsequential. So if it goes wrong, it's not going to blow up the whole firm, you know, and then you walk before you run um, and then you train your outsourcer, you know, whether it's someone in your yep. firm, like an associate or a secretary or someone like me or what have you, you train them, you know, invest the time in many of my clients do not do this, by the way. In fact, very few of them do. And I'm saying, like, it would help me, it would help anybody who has... But if, the, but if they did. <laughs> if they did, I'd be like, oh, this is fantastic. You've written a map. You want me to improve it? Because ultimately, you want the writers to own the process. You don't want to yeah. be the process owner. You want to be the beneficiary. And so you do that by writing it down. And then in terms of outsourcing, the few tips I have, number one, you know, and obviously you review and improve over time. But number one, you want to be specific when you give feedback, like comments like, this didn't cut it, or I don't like this are much less helpful than like, you know, this is wrong because blah, blah, blah. Yeah. 
And then, you know, nothing is off limits. Like, you, you know, use your imagination to figure out what you can outsource. You'd be surprised how much of your written communication can be taken off your plate if you really think through it. And then, you know, even if you love to write, remember that your law firm business needs you. You know, I have a lot, a lot of clients who are like, yeah, I love writing blogs and e-books. And I'm like, well, that's great. You know, do that as a hobby. Mm-hmm. You know, right now your clients need you. I mean, I'm not saying you shouldn't. I mean, some, and the, there's some things that you can't outsource or be very hard to do. But, like, start with the stuff that you yeah. can and mm-hmm. go from there. Yep. I like how you have lists for everything. I need to start to have more lists. All <laughs> Thank right. you. Let's talk a little bit about insourcing. So what should lawyers be thinking about insourcing? Okay. And again, whether you're doing it in-house or whether you're doing it outside the house, it's the same basic rules apply. I mean, you know, again, you want to sort of evaluate you know, what the value is of someone in your firm. If there's an associate writing your briefs, is that a good use of his time or should he be doing something else? And, you mm-hmm. know, you always want to look at the value of people's time. That's fair. All right. So let's talk about one of those writing tasks that attorneys really hate, but they don't mm-hmm. necessarily tend to view it as a writing task, and that's email. Right. Most of professional communication is done via email still. And I don't know if I believe you, but you told me that you were at inbox zero every night. So, why don't you tell the listeners? My inbox is at zero. I have three children. I have about 60 clients. I have, you know, I, I write about the low-carb thing. I've got, I've got tons and tons going on, but my email box is always zero. And, and you've got like eight turkeys in the refrigerator. Don't forget that. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I have to have time so I can eat like 20 pounds of turkey. So exactly. here's <laughs> The step is, this, you know, as a process. This is, again, I got from David Allen, but it's very useful. It's very simple. He's got some YouTube videos online. You can, you know, look to see. But the first step is when you see an email, you ask yourself, is this actionable? Can I, you know, do it? Is this something I need to do or can I delete it? And there's basically four buckets you put it in. You can delete it. You can delegate it. You can defer it or you can do it. If it takes you two minutes or less, do it now. If it's something that someone else can do, you forward it to them and then you put on a list waiting for Jared to get back to me and whatever. If it's something you can delete, delete. And if it's going to take you longer than two minutes, what you do is you put it into a folder that says action. And then on a list, separate list, you say, you know, like email Jared about podcast and you put the date on it. And so that way, I'm not really explaining this well, but David Allen's got a video on YouTube about this. It explains it better. But basically, those four steps allow you to use ah, your inbox. You know? Yep. So you follow that, and every night you're at inbox zero. I'm impressed, personally. Inbox zero, and my wife has got, like, thousands of emails. I'm like, come on, Claire. And she's more organized than I am, but, like, this hack is, like, really works. I know. I have, like, thousands of emails. So last question here. Yeah. One of the things that folks tend to have a big issue with is making good habits stick, right? The bad habits right. just stick around on their own. But right. what strategies do you have for lawyers who want to add writing efficiencies, how to keep up with those? You know, this is a really good question. I think it's, it's tempting when you hear like self-improvement podcasts like this to be like, oh man, those all sound like pretty good ideas. Like Adam, like I'd love to do them all. Like, and then you often do none of them. <laughs> And then you feel bad about it and in a kind of a vague sense of disease. And you're like, well, so one thing to do is obviously pick one and go with it. You know, I like Parkinson's law because that's so easy. Um, yeah. You can also outsource, which is something else. Mm-hmm. And if you know, if you want, I can, I can obviously happy to talk to anybody about their strategies and help them. The other thing to do, and I got this from my business coach and I, I use this all the time. And the idea is like, people don't change. You know, we all think we can change, like we're going to get better. But most people don't change, and I, I include myself in that, you know, yes. basket. And so what you can do is you can think, okay, how can I outsmart myself? 
How can I outfox my own flaws? Assuming that, like, I'm not going to change, nothing about myself is going to change, how can I, like, organize my world and my team so that I can succeed in spite of myself? Yeah. So, you know, for instance, like, about the email thing, you can have, like, your secretary remind you every evening, hey, have you zeroed out your email box? And so it's on, you know, him or her to do that. It's no longer your responsibility. And so the idea is, like, figuring out ways that you can be smarter than yourself. I like that. That's good. And I think we'll end on that. No. And now uh, you can hang out for the rest of the day, you and Rory. So let's do this. This will do it for another episode of the Legal Toolkit, but I'll be back next month with further insights into my soul, the soul of America, and the legal market. If you're feeling nostalgic for my dulcet tones, however, you can check out our entire show archive anytime you want at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So thanks again to Adam Kozloff of Virtuoso Content for hanging with us today and talking to us about turkey and bringing along Milkshake and Rory. This was one of the more eclectic podcasts I've done, and that's saying something. So, Adam, can you tell folks how to get more information about you and Virtuoso if they want it? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is that a good thing that it's one of the more eclectic? I hope it's good. Or is it like people are like, oh, my God, this is just ridiculous? I've enjoyed it. What are you doing next month? Yeah, I'll, I'll come back whenever, whenever you want. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, my uh, website is virtuosocontent.com. V-I-R-T-U-O-S-O content.com and you can just you know, send me an email through that and I'd love to talk to you about it if you want just to look, learn about efficiencies. I'm happy just to break it down for you. So so thanks again, Adam Kozloff of Virtuoso Content. Now I'm going to be the first to know when you start work on Blazing Saddles, the animated series, right? <laughs> sure, absolutely. I hope so. All right. And finally, thanks to all of you out there for listening. I really appreciate it. Especially you, Cleavon Little. Talk to you folks later. Thanks for listening to Legal Toolkit, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join Heidi and Jared for their next podcast, covering the current business trends for law firms. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.